Welcome back to Reality Asserts Itself. I'm Paul Jay. We're continuing our discussion with former Catholic priest and now Episcopal priest, Matthew Fox. Thanks for joining us again. Thank you, Paul. And as you've been, if you've been watching, and you really should go back to part one to understand where we're at, but Matthew was a Catholic priest who uh, got in the crosshairs of the Inquisition led by Cardinal Ratzinger and was first of, all, first of all silenced and then asked to leave the Dominican order, more or less turfed, and continued to speak out, and here he is speaking out. Uh, talk, talk a little bit about Car Cardinal Burke and his fight with Francis and what, what that represents. Yes, it is an important fight because it does show that Francis, you know, had some steel in him, the way he took on Cardinal Burke. And, and Cardinal Burke, who was Cardinal of St. Louis for years, uh, and, and was, before that was a bishop in Wisconsin, and I've met some of his former priests who shudder when they talk about him, that he was, he was a rigorous dictator, autocrat, even in Wisconsin before he was up to a, a very public level and, and become a cardinal in St. Louis. But um, he's extremely right-wing about everything, any subject at all, from homosexuality to women to uh, uh, church politics, he will always be uh, to the far right of almost everybody. And Pope Francis uh, took him on. He fired him uh, from a couple positions, and, and he exiled him to Guam, I think it was, or some island out there, and said, go do some canon law uh, exploration out there or something. So there's been this, this ongoing fight between... Um, Pope Francis and, and Cardinal Burke. And uh, Cardinal Burke was the lightning rod for the right-wing uh, cardinals that gather in Rome on a regular basis because he, he, was, he, he was elevated to Rome under the previous popes and given a very responsible position, kind of, head of the, kind of like head of the Supreme Court, head of the judiciary, if you will, in the Vatican. So he carried a lot of weight, but he's definitely been demoted um, by this pope. And he was in, involved in a letter that I think was sent. That's right. Kind of denouncing the pope's teachings on the family. That's right, right. He, he, he hinted that the pope was being, being heretical because he was beginning to open up questions about divorced Catholics uh, uh, being able to have communion and so forth and even bringing up the subject of homosexuality and so forth. And, and um, yeah, so he, was, he led this cabal uh, but I don't think that he's uh, succeeded very well. I think that Pope Francis has kind of uh, checkmated him quite effectively. So just a f sort of the final question. We've talked in the past about how progressive media or even politics doesn't do very well talking to people of faith. And uh, so how do, you, how do you see that and, and, and what should be done about it? <laughs> Well, I think it's what's clear is that, first of all, the American media is so ignorant about religion. When, when I go to Europe and I get interviewed by a German journalist or an Italian journalist about my books, these people have degrees in theology, these journalists, you know, and they can talk about what's unique about my ideas and special and, and so forth, and also uh, has a, a tradition to it. But in America, um, you just don't find this in journalists. I, I've, I don't know if I've ever been <laughs> interviewed by someone in America who has a degree in theology as such and can kind of follow the, the religious tradition to, to ask really good questions. 
So um, uh, I think that's part of the problem that um, then the right wing comes along and it's so loud and it's so rich. And so they just completely take over. So when you hear Christianity in the general public today, it means evangelical uh, Christianity to most people. And, and they measure everything by that. And um, it's a pity because the great social movements of our, of our country have, have often been um, uh, birthed uh, within a, a, a religious context. For example, of course, the, the, um, the abolitionist movement. There, was a, there were a lot of churches, there were a lot of synagogues who rose up against slavery. And um, uh, when it comes to the unions, of course, the Catholic Church deserves a great deal of credit for that because, of course, a lot of the union members in the late 19th century and early 20th century were Catholics from Europe. And, uh, and Pope uh, Leo XIII wrote a very important encyclical about unions and about uh, gathering uh, the energy of the worker to speak for themselves and so forth. And of course, Pope Leo XIII was not unfamiliar with Marx and the other movements going on in Europe. Uh, and of course, the, um, you know, so you can go through different movements. Of course, the civil rights movement literally came out of the church, the black church, and um, uh, King was a minister after all. And, and again, left, secular left politics in America wants to what? I don't know what, what they think they're doing, leaving this out of the equation. Uh, that the, the church is, has often stood with the poor. Um, Dorothy Day, you know, she was a communist when she became pregnant with, by her boyfriend, they weren't married, and, and, and she was an atheist. But she said when she was preg became pregnant, she had to thank someone. She was so excited about bringing life into the world, and she became a Catholic, but a radical Catholic. So the Catholic worker movement from which the Berrigans came, and Thomas Merton was very involved in all that, the, the, the very left Catholic movement, that comes from the Dorothy Day's movement. And, and um, you know, so, and a lot of the churches were involved in the anti-war movement in the 60s and so forth. So, um, uh, and of course the environmental movement. And here where the Pope's encyclical, you know, is a major work, I think, from a, a religious value perspective on the, this terrible crisis we face. So it's not good politics for the left to try to secularize all this. It, to me, politics is about getting as many allies as you can. And why wouldn't you want the believers as well as the non-believers, as well as those who have one foot in and one foot out? You know, why not make the tent as big as possible and use as many resources as you can instead of some kind of new kind of secular orthodoxy and saying, well, we, we atheists are going to carry the flag alone. Well, that's, that's not a very big number of people. So I think that there's, there's something amiss in a lot of um, left thinking, and I think it, I think a, a lot of it's kind, of, it's kind of cynical. I recently had a, um, a an hour dialogue on this program called Climate Climate One. It's been going for ten years, and it's here out of Commonwealth uh, Group here in San Francisco. And the fellow who runs it, a really interesting guy, he's been running it for 10 years, he said he's had all kinds of people on it talk about climate change, Al Gore, um, Paul Hawkins, all these people. But he said he's never had spirituality talked to. And he said, I think that's what's missing. That's what we're missing. So I'm going to have you on there, he said. And then he put me in dialogue with a fellow named uh, Roy Scranton, who wrote a book, We Are Doomed, What's Next? <laughs> 
But Roy has written for New York Review of Books and his books have become bestsellers about different things. He's an Iraqi war veteran. He's written about war. And his, this book, which is about war and uh, climate change, is very strong. But the title is, I, I told him, you know, I kind of criticized him. I said, you know, you have to be careful of selling uh, despair. I said, Aquinas says that despair, teaching despair is the worst thing a human being can do. And I said, a lot of people are teaching despair today around the climate change. And um, we have to be careful of that because what we need is workers. We need people who will roll up their sleeves and go to work, do the inner work and, and the work that needs to be done to change all this. And, you know, he, he really kind of um, listened to me. And we're still in dialogue uh, since that um, exchange. But my point is that uh, the left uh, has to open up. And a lot of people in the left who are secular, if you will, they, they have not addressed their, what I would call their wounded religious child. A lot of left, they may have been Catholic, they may have been Jewish in their faith as children or something, and they've been wounded by religion. And a lot of people are wounded by religion. But you know, if you're going to be smart, you're going to examine that. I'll tell you, years ago I had a student in my program and, and uh, she came to me in October and she said, I'm so frustrated, I thought this would be the most creative year of my life and I'm blocked, I can't create anything. I said, well, tell me a little about your life. It turned out she was raised evangelical, Baptist. She quit it all at 14 and went into the world. She became a feminist. She was a therapist and everything. And I said, well, go back and write me a paper on what was good about being fundamentalist. She said, you're kidding. I said, no. So she came back a few days later with a list. The music was good. The commitment to God was good. The teaching that you can experience God and the community was good. All that was good. I said, great. Now, go on. Now, and then she just utterly flourished. Utterly flourished. Became creative. She, when she graduated from our program, she went and, and was writing a, a weekly column in the San Francisco Chronicle on work and spirituality. Did great stuff. But notice, she had a deal. She, as a teenager she left out of anger okay but as an adult she had to take a, a better look at that you know there was something good there and I think a lot of these leftists who are kind of trying to build a political system in a secular way are, are have not done their examination of their own story and they should ask you know what was good about being a Jew what was good about being a Catholic you know um, Joe Campbell he quit the church at 13 years of age you know so he was kind of a a precocious Catholic to quit that early. But he often said, I got my love of symbols and metaphor from the Catholic Church. So in other words, the Catholic Church really gave him his vocation that he so ran with wonderfully. But, um, but if he had just left out of anger and, and forgot all about it, um, he, he would not have been accomplished what he accomplished. So I think the left has to, has to be more awake about all the elements of what it means to be a human being and to be, in, you know, to be part of a religious system in the past that you don't want to be part of now, but you want to look at what was worthwhile there. Why, why kill it? Because that freezes you. And then when you see it in others, see, you can't dialogue. You can't see why are people still in this church? Why are people still that way? <clears throat> but you want as many people to gather, especially around today's moral uh, challenges, such as climate change, as many as possible. Thanks very much for joining us, Matthew. Thank you, Paul, for having me. Enjoyed our conversations. And thank you for joining us on Reality Asserts Itself on the Real News Network.